An invitation to a celebration tomorrow night at Lyceum Hall. Go get your glad rags pressed and wear your two-tone vest to the 8th Street Association barbecue and fancy dress ball. Boogie woogie thumping starts the joint a jumping and all them cats is climbing the wall. The party really goes cause things is really froze at the 8th Street Association barbecue. And fancy dress. Hello, my name is Spencer Wright, and this is episode 16 of the Waltz Oasis podcast. On this show, I discuss animals and the people who helped create them from the world of Disney. Topics come from the world of animated and live action film, shorts, parks, documentaries, and more. Please follow the podcast on Instagram on my personal page at SpencerWright19070 and the show page at Walt Oasis where I will post pictures of subjects discussed. And feel free to email me at waltoasis at gmail.com with any feedback, questions, or episode suggestions. Episode suggestions are always welcome. This week, I'm discussing Baloo, the bear, from 1967's The Jungle Book, and the man who voiced him, Phil Harris, who we heard at the beginning of the episode. The Jungle Book was published in 1894, and the second Jungle Book was published in 1895, both written by Rudyard Kipling, and these were very popular books when they were released at the height of British colonial power. In various stories, animals in the Indian jungle help raise the boy Mowgli. And Baloo is a bear, and Baloo means bear in Hindi. The character in the book is described as a, quote, sleepy brown bear who teaches the wolf cubs the law of the jungle, and also described as a big, serious, old brown bear. The studio acquired film rights for the books in 1963 at the urging of story artist Bill Peet. After The Sword in the Stone, released in 1963, released mixed reviews, Walt decided to have more personal involvement in the jungle book. The book is very dark and stern compared to the film that we know today, and the books habitually emphasize the importance of respecting law and authority. A song from the book Mowgli Hears About Baloo, which appears in the second Jungle Book, is worth reciting. For the sake of him who showed, one wise frog the jungle road, keep the law the man-pack make, for thy blind old Baloo's sake, clean or tainted, hot or stale, Hold as it were the trail, through the day and through the night, questing neither left nor right, for the sake of him who loves thee beyond all else that moves. When thy pack would make thee pain, say Tabakwi sings again. When thy pack would work thee ill, say Shere Khan is yet to kill. When the knife is drawn to slay, keep the law and go thy way. Root and honey, palm and spathe, Guard a cub from harm and scathe. Wood and water, wind and tree, jungle favor, go with thee. This is very, very different from the final Disney film. And when Walt became more involved in the film's production, he wanted a lighter film, which would focus on interesting characters and its exotic setting. Essentially, it's a story of a boy in an Indian jungle raised by animals, and lots of fun and interesting things happen in the interim. 
And so after Bill Pete left the studio over regarding over arguments regarding the story and the film's direction, you may remember episode one where I discussed this. Walt specifically instructed his staff to not read the Jungle Book. He said, here's this book. Do not read it. And again, Walt believed it was a story of a boy raised by wolves. He was returned by a man village, and lots of fun occurs in the meantime. He also felt that the stern tone of the book did not allow for a warm Mowgli that audiences would identify or sympathize with. Strong personalities were important, and voice casting was seen as especially vital. I'll give some brief plot recaps if you've not seen The Jungle Book for a while. It is on Disney+. Plus. So we see Baloo, a large bear walking through the jungle, surprised to see a man-cub, the boy Mowgli. The stern panther Bagheera, voiced by Sebastian Cabot, is returning Mowgli to a man-village after the young boy was raised by wolves. However, Baloo shows Mowgli the simpler side of life, and the man-cub wishes to stay in the jungle. While Baloo shows the boy the bare necessities and the pair float down a river, Mowgli is kidnapped by monkeys at the behest of orangutan ruler King Louis. King Louis, voiced by Louis Prima, wants to know how to make fire. The assembly sings I Want to Be Like You, and Bagheera conspires with Baloo to rescue the boy. The, boy, the bear dresses as a female orangutan dancing with King Louis. Predictably, the plan goes comically awry, but the trio manage to escape, and Bagheera convinces Baloo that Mowgli must be returned to a human village. The boy speaking poorly of Bagheera raises the bear's ire as Mowgli runs away. In a wasteland, Baloo finds the tiger Shere Khan in pursuit of the boy and works to fight him off, holding nothing back. You know, he goes all in in fighting the tiger Shere Khan. Baloo is almost killed by Shere Khan, but wakes up and is successful in facilitating Mowgli's return to the human world. Baloo is a large bear. He's a blue-grayish color with long, sharp claws. Like many bears, he has a big belly, um, a friendly, casual personality, and I bet he gives really great hugs. The bear is relaxed and endeavors to get through life with as few pressures as possible. He is well-meaning, but somewhat looked down upon by Bagheera, who sees him as insufficiently contributing to jungle society. In this society, though, he's not a misanthrope. Um, he does enjoy music and cavorting with other animals. One sees his commitments to the well-being of others when he escorts Mowgli to the man village, understanding it is the right thing to do. So now I'll transition to discussing Phil Harris. Phil Harris is the individual who voiced Baloo. And while all voice actors are important to their character, um, some are especially crucial. And we'll see that with Phil Harris. Phil Harris was born Wanga Philip Harris on June 24, 1904 in Linton, Indiana. And he grew up in Nashville and often identified as a Southerner. His parents performed in the major circuses of the time, such as for Ringling Brothers and Phil learned to play the drums while he was raised by his grandparents. He had his first job as a musician, being a drummer in his father's band, and then he furthered his career leaving home at age 16 and ending up performing in San Francisco in different hotels as a drummer. He gained various experience traveling with bands on the road, and in the 1920s he even traveled as far as Australia and Hawaii. Sung throughout his career, Harris sung songs like 8th Street Association Barbecue and Fancy Dress Ball, That's What I Like About the South, and The Mountaineer and The Jabberwock. And the ability to vocalize a wide range of words and phrases is especially impressive. 
He was a big star on radio, and radio was a far-reaching medium in the United States and around the world from the mid-1920s into the mid-50s, and then it began to be replaced by radio. But, you know, at its peaks from this decade of the late 20s into the 50s, it was a technology which was basic and inexpensive, and most Americans strive to have one at home. And Americans could listen to radio at home, in the hair salon, eventually in cars, in the workplace. Entertainers, politicians, ideologues, and more all knew how far-reaching radio was and how prominent they could be if they were a celebrity on radio. And Phil Harris was on one of the most popular shows from this era called The Jack Benny Show. And the title of the show varied somewhat, but it was always something along the lines of The Jack Benny Show. And this was a comedy, you know, sketch variety show with musical interludes that became more of the sitcom format we know over time. And Phil Harris was the band leader on the show between 1936 and 1952. Harris led the band, which provided musical interludes and would joke joke back and forth with Benny and band members. Jokes directed at Phil Harris, and that was his name on the show, Phil Harris, often alluded to him and his band hitting the sauce too hard, as well as general incompetence. And insulting each other back and forth was a common part of the show, although it was always done in good fun and for comedy. And the Jack Benny show was a great experience for Harris when he started his own extremely successful show, which aired from 1948 to 1954. And this was the Phil Harris Alice Faye show, which aired on ABC. And so Harris was on a show on NBC, the Phil Harris Alice Faye show, as well as the Jack Benny show, appearing on two shows on two networks simultaneously. So he would would have been heard by huge swaths of the country. Phil Harris married Alice Faye in 1941. And at the time of their marriage, Alice Faye was a star at Fox, primarily known for her musical talents. And themes on the show included Alice's substantial wealth, Phil and the band's drunkenness, and flirtations with the rough side side of the tracks. For example, when it was Harris's birthday, it was suggested to purchase him a direct pipeline to a brewery in Wisconsin. And when the band gives him a cheap watch as a gift, he remarks on how it is two fives, which makes cocktail hour twice as long. One of my favorites is from a December 3rd, 1950 episode called The Missing Baby, in which gar- guitarist Frankie Remley takes another job, finding his pay as a musician in Harris's band too low. Remley states, I can't live on what you pay me. The cost of living's gone up. Why, do you realize how much they've increased the bare necessities of life? Harris states, no, how much? And Renly responded, 20 cents on a fifth. Next thing you know, they'll be, they'll be raising the price of food. And so the band leader, Phil Harris, he did have a long-running persona as sort of being stupid, concerned with short-term pleasures, not too different from Ballou himself. But in fact, he was an excellent business person and professional. You know, when he managed a band, this involves a lot of logistics. And he had, you know, he was on two shows at the same time, running from one to the other. So he really did have to be an impeccable, prepared professional. By the 1960s, he was mostly happily retired occasionally appearing on television. And Phil Harris passed away on August 11th, 1995, after 54 years of marriage to Alice Faye. And Phil Harris got cast in The Jungle Book after Walt Disney personally recommended him seeing Harris perform at a benefit in Palm Springs. Walt said said to director Wooly Reitherman, About the bear, why don't you get Phil Harris? 
we don't want to do all the nitty gritty sweet stuff all the time. Get Phil Harris. So after getting Harris, after contacting him about appearing in the film and voicing the bear, Reitherman said, then the film started to come alive. And from that point on, we went for strong characters like the elephant Hati and the tiger Shira Khan, unquote. According to animator Ollie Johnston, with Reitherman as director, the studio embarked on, quote, a time of really good voices, inspirational voices to work with. You may remember this a little bit when I did discuss Ava Gabor, who was also cast by Wooly Reitherman. Harris was mostly retired, and he discussed the role with Walt, asking, do you want me to be the bear or to be myself? And Walt told him to be himself, but Harris did initially find the lines too dull to match his personal style. For example, he read one, which said, Now, Mowgli, you be careful because you're in this bad jungle. But Harris suggested a much more jazzy alternative, something along the lines of, You keep fooling around in the jungle like this, man. You can run across some cats that'll knock the roof in. And large portion of the script incorporated the voice actors' personalities into their characters. The motions the characters make were also the same motions the performer would make while on the stage and often corresponded to the beat of the music. So while he initially struggled, Harris was encouraged to be himself, and he did grow more comfortable performing the role. Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston were the primary animators for Baloo, with Johnston animating Baloo's introductory sequences and Frank Thomas taking over in some scenes involving Mowgli. Johnston remembered in a 1981 interview, I was there when they first brought in Phil Harris. He didn't think he could do it, but Walt asked him, and so he came. Phil said, heck, I can't even read to my daughters. I can't read for a bear. But we talked him into it and let him do the lines in his own natural way of talking, unquote. And they liked Harris using his natural voice, and Harris appreciated how the role made him immortal. And even as doing it, he knew that this role would really make him immortal and forever remembered. On his blog, animator Andreas Deja stated he believed that footage from the 1953 True Life Adventure documentary Bear Country inspired some of the entertaining ways Baloo scratches his body. Walt would also act out scenes and help develop the movements and personalities of characters. In the case of Baloo, he acted out how the bear would enter a scene, snap his fingers, and sing. Frank Thomas said he'd be telling you something and say, like this, and he'd get up and act it out and have you laughing at what he was talking about. And sure enough, you could visualize what he was presenting to you. It was amazing. Ollie Johnson believed that the warm relationship which developed between Baloo and Mowgli was one of the best that he and Frank Thomas had ever animated. Their friendship and bond held the picture together and gave the audiences something to care about, which was really Walt's intention when adopting the book. Johnston, Walt, and Frank Thomas saw Baloo as a casual kind of guy. If you walked into his office in human form, Baloo would have his feet up, a half-eaten sandwich on his desk, and tell you to take a seat for a few minutes. He, you know, he's meant to be someone that you feel comfortable around and someone who is impulsive and potentially gullible, really only concerned with pleasures like eating and singing, much like the roles that Harris had played on radio. And because of the strong personality Harris brought to the recording, Baloo's place as a main character versus potentially having a brief cameo was cemented. This character development also aided in the development of the panther Bagheera, who in human form was seen as someone who would have every pencil sharpened 
and lined up with blank notepads ready to work, a very fastidious, organized office. Bruce, Bruce Reitherman, the son of animator and director Wooly Reitherman, voiced Mowgli and remembered, quote, one time being with Phil Harris and Sebastian Cabot, and they had great repartee and energy. You would have been in the recording studio where they had these risers, where musicians could be positioned. There was a piano in the corner that was always there. There'd be scripts lying around, and the day's work would be discussed and laid out. The other voice talents were so vivid in their personalities. Me listening to them just talking about what they were going to do felt like a captivating performance to me, unquote. And Bruce observed that while Baloo and Bagheera were very different characters voiced by very different people, they each wanted Mowgli to have a good life, and they had a, quote, friction mixed with affection, unquote. And Harris sings The Bare Necessities and I Want to Be Like You. Terry Gilkison wrote the songs for the initially darker story, but when Walt decided to take a more active role in the film's development, most of the songs were scrapped and new ones were written by the Sherman brothers. The Bare Necessities is an exception to this and is sung by Baloo when trying to teach Mowgli to simply relax and enjoy the easy life the jungle provides. We see a laid-back Baloo sauntering through the jungle, and a creature Mowgli might be scared of instead puts him at ease. The lyrics of the song shed the idea of any ambiguity that the bear is anything but carefree, and Baloo's blithe attitude stands in sharp contrast to the dignified Bagheera. Ollie Johnson animated most of this sequence. The Bear Necessities remains one of Disney's most popular songs. Julie Andrews chose the song for her 2005 album. Julie Andrews selects her favorite Disney songs. It was nominated for an Academy Award and has remained a popular jazz tune, being recorded by Louis Armstrong, amongst others. And I hear it played quite frequently at the World of Disney store in Walt Disney World's uh, Disney Springs. The kidnapping of Mowgli at King Louis's behest could have been a troubling sequence, if not for the song I Want to Be Like You. King Louis was voiced by Louis Prima, a popular Las Vegas performer. The act and his band and the act his band put on was performed to the delight of animators, and the song was written by the Sherman brothers. In the song, the orangutan ruler believes he has reached his limits as an ape, and he wishes to learn to make fire. Baloo's role in the song was initially planned to mimic what King Louie was saying, but Harris believed it would be, quote, natural to improvise something different. And he came up with several lines, including, get mad, baby. So in other words, you know, Harris wanted to infuse a lot more character into Baloo's role when performing this song. Due to conflicting schedules, Prima and Harris could not be in the studio at the same time. Therefore, Harris listened to Prima's recording on headphones and sung along accordingly. The Jungle Book released on October 18, 1967 and was directed by Wooly Reitherman. Its release came after the passing of Walt Disney on December 15, 1966, and the film really had ships stacked against it. As I mentioned before, Bill Pete, an expert and genius storyboard artist, quit the studio early in the film's development, and Reitherman was quoted as saying, Walt checked out halfway through the picture. Many studio executives, especially on the business side of the studio, you know, the financial side, were anxious to stop animated feature production as it was quite costly and often did not return sufficient revenues. Instead, the studio would focus on re-releases of beloved films and the production of live-action movies. 
But fortunately, The Jungle Book was a beloved hit at the time of its release and has remained a favorite among Disney fans and fans of animation. The role of Baloo, and especially the bare necessities, resulted in Phil Harris once again becoming famous and introduced him to a new and younger generation. The voice actors, including Harris, Cabot, J. Pat O'Malley, and George Sanders, received a great deal of notice in the press and in positive reviews as creating strong, memorable characters. And again, this was exactly Walt's intention. Um, and really making these characters a dominating force in the picture that to many was reminiscent of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Edgar Penton wrote in an article appearing in the Waco Tribune Herald that the mannerisms of Phil Harris, long one of radio, television, and nightclubs, long one of radio, television, nightclubs, top entertainers, dominate the picture's easygoing character of Baloo the bear a kind of jungle ne'er-do-well who knows where to find the bare necessities of life with the minimum amount of work. The Detroit Free Press wrote, This movie should delight the small fry and carry nostalgic adults back some 30 years when Disney released Snow White, his first full-length cartoon. So that is Baloo from 1967's The Jungle Book, a key character in an animated film crucial to the history of the Walt Disney Company and its animation studio, and a character and movie that was really bolstered by Phil Harris's casting. The Jungle Book, Blue's Future, and other roles voiced by Phil Harris will be discussed in later episodes. Sources for this episode include andreasdeja.blogspot.com, more from Mowgli outtakes with Bruce Reitherman from the Walt Disney Family Museum, the Illusion of Life by Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston, the Walt People series edited by DDA Gez, and numerous other articles, books, and websites. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Walt's Oasis. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Again, please follow the podcast on Instagram on my personal page at Spencer Wright 19070 and the show page at Walt Oasis, where I'll post pictures of subjects discussed. And feel free to email me at waltoasis at gmail.com with any feedback, questions, or episode suggestions. Episode suggestions are always welcome, and we will close with the further stylings of Phil Harris. Thank you for listening. One time there was a mountaineer who felt so mighty brave that he took his trusty gun and went to a dark, dark cave. The reason for his venture was a story that he'd heard about a bad, ferocious creature called the Jabberwocky Bird. When he got into that dreary cave, our hunter saw a sight. The Jabberwock had seven heads, and each one was a fright. He turned around and headed home, running all the way. And to all the folks who waited there, the mountaineer did say, 